0: Beth was 21 when she got her first real credit card. I was at an Ulta, and I picked
1: up a eco-brand blush brush with a bamboo handle. And I stood in line, and I mostly gave it to the lady, and I said, you know, I just got this card. I'm wondering if it works.
0: She really had no idea how credit cards worked or where you could even use them. So when the cashier ran the card... It was literally like
1: in a movie, you know, like when you find the Holy Grail and something's blowing yeah. and you're just like, music from the angels. It was kind of that moment where I was like, oh my God, I have money.
0: It felt freeing.
1: I don't think I thought for even a minute, like, this might be a gateway to something.
0: Hmm. To something not so great.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: I'm Rima Grace and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. Sometimes we buy things because we're stressed or bored or we want to feel better about ourselves. And we shrug it off as retail therapy, not a big deal. But for some people, it can feel uncontrollable and become a very big deal. This week, one woman's attempt to stay in control during the pandemic. Beth grew up in a small town in Michigan. Her family didn't have a lot of money, and so she says she missed out on a lot of normal kid stuff. I never got to go to Zap Zone and Chuck E. Cheese and the zoo. Her mom was a single parent, and they lived off of $200 a month, relying on help from extended family and food stamps. Beth still remembers what it'd feel like going to the grocery store with her mom. Every single
1: time when we would be cashing out, they would ask cash her card and she would hold up the food stamp card in kind of a mousy way. She would kind of like tuck her head in briefly into her shoulders a little and and kind of hold up the card Mm -hmm. as if she was scared to say it, as if she was embarrassed
0: by it. So when Beth got that credit card back in 2014, suddenly it felt like she could pass as someone who has money.
1: I could buy... A coffee at Starbucks. I-, I could buy lunch. I could go to Target and buy a shirt. I could do anything. And it was like, oh my God, it was unreal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beth was working as a cashier at Baby R Us and didn't have a ton of disposable income. So this credit card felt like a huge opportunity. In fact, that night after going to Ulta, she sat on her bed and opened five more credit cards.
1: Like, apply, approved, apply, approved, apply, approved. And just one after the other, I hit up Chase, Capital One, Fifth Third Bank, Discover. And I just kept going.
0: (laughs) Wow. And what did it feel like applying for those credit cards?
1: Oh, it was amazing. I started to feel kind of like a real adult.
0: (laughs) And to feel like even more of a real adult... She completely overhauled her look. Clothes, makeup, jewelry, even some furniture for her future self for when she would have her own place. And her friends, her family, they were noticing. I get hung up on that feeling of like um
1: not superiority. Not superiority over them, but almost like superiority over myself of like, oh, I have all these things and people are envious and this is what you've always wanted. You've always been envious of other people. So it feels good to be envied.
0: It feels good to be on that other side. But it was about more than just making people jealous. Buying things made her feel good. From that point on, every time something went wrong, like a bad grade on a math test or a nasty breakup she'd get caught in these mental loops. Definitely a
1: feeling of of failure. You know, I I would feel um, really bad about myself and I would immediately turn to shopping because that was always there. And then she'd rationalize it. It was almost like if I could scrounge up enough money somewhere um, to afford a really nice thing, then I wasn't a complete failure after all because I could still afford
0: this thing. But she was racking up hundreds and thousands of dollars on her credit cards. And within a year, she'd maxed out all her cards and had $5,000 in debt. She didn't tell anyone, though.
1: Instead of letting them see how stressed out I was, I would only let them see how happy it made me.
0: Oh, this purchase, I have it under control. But she didn't. Because whenever she had available credit, driving home from work, she'd think to herself— Maybe I should just stop by Target real quick.
1: And my car just took me there, <laughs> you know, and I, I I just I just drove there without mm. thinking. And it was like an internal monologue of like,
0: no, stop, don't go here. But then there'd be this other part of Beth, this little voice that kept saying, Hey, go shopping and go spend money. Like,
1: despite how much reason or logic my brain was screaming at me, I still went,
0: And once she got inside a store and got her hands on that eyeshadow palette or perfume...
1: It would feel very invigorating and and it would be almost like a high.
0: But as soon as she put the shopping bags in her trunk...
1: I would sit in my car and just kind of let this weight kind of just crush down on me. I would feel like, oh my God, what did you just do? Hmm. I'd feel embarrassed, ashamed.
0: What Beth is doing compulsively buying things can actually be a serious behavioral addiction, an addiction that usually takes over other parts of someone's life. For Beth, she decided to take on a second job to basically sustain the shopping. She'd still make her minimum payments, but would struggle to afford essential things like drug prescriptions or even food. Like whenever her colleagues would ask her to grab lunch, she'd hole up in the break room, scrolling frantically through all her bank accounts, just looking for money.
1: There's like nothing worse than opening up all of those apps, looking at your balances, trying to find something, and you're thinking in your head, I just made a payment, I just made a payment, there has to be something somewhere, and finding that the most you have is three bucks on a card and you need 10, and all of your cards are max, and you're like, okay, now what?
0: During this time, she was living with her mom and grandparents who would scold her for her shopping habits. But that didn't stop her. She just hid the evidence.
1: It taught me keep it in the car until night and when everyone's asleep and then go out and get it or to put it all in your purse and hide it. Like it taught me how to be sneaky. It didn't teach me responsibility.
0: At that point, did you consider yourself a shopping addict?
1: Um, I did not. Not at that point because I I kind of felt like, oh, you can stop at any time, which is so cliche because I feel like anybody who suffers from an addiction of any type Says that.
0: By then, it had been three years since she opened her first credit card. At that point, how many credit cards did you have? I think I had probably 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Okay. And Mm -hmm. how much debt were you in? I'm going to say,
1: I'm going to say probably maybe 40. Forty
0: grand. Oh, wow. Most of that debt is from credit cards, but a good chunk is also from her car loan. When you looked at that amount of debt that you had, Mm -hmm. like, what sorts of things would go through your head?
1: I felt like, how are you ever going to get out of this? I was trapped on a wheel.
0: She thought about her mom, who had a breakdown when Beth was 17, partly, she says, over money
1: kind of her realizing that she was trapped, that she didn't have options. Yeah. I felt the exact same way. I felt like I didn't have options and I wasn't even 25 years old yet. Without knowing it, I was repeating patterns that I didn't even know were there.
0: And she kept repeating those patterns throughout most of her 20s. Even though she became more organized, never missed a minimum payment, and even landed higher-paying jobs, including working at a credit union—the irony is not lost on her there—she was still struggling to afford the basic necessities, just like when she was a kid. It was, you know,
1: realizing that it wasn't my income. It wasn't my lack of ability to pay off to pay off these cards, you know, pay more than your minimums.
0: It was me. Coming up after the break, Beth tries to take control in an uncontrollable time. Beth has been dealing with an overwhelming amount of debt now for about six years. At the height of it, she had 16 credit cards and was nearly $60,000 in debt. And up until recently, she thought it might always be like this. But then the pandemic happened. Usually, Beth would shop on her way home from work, maybe after feeling exhausted from a long day. And just wanting a
1: little pick-me-up before I go home and have to cook dinner and clean and do this whole thing all over again.
0: But now, like nearly everyone else, she's stuck at home, which means she's not spending $40 a week on gas or making trips to the mall.
1: And that was sort of what made me feel like, oh, I can start actually paying off some debt. It felt like the universe was telling me, okay, now's your chance. Do Mm. it now or you'll (laughs) never have this
0: chance again. So she took that gas and shopping money and decided to put it towards her Home Depot credit card. And lo and behold, I was like, oh, my God, I have one paid off. And then her credit union waived all their payments for the next two months, saving her about $1,000. So she put that toward her cards.
1: Then the stimulus check came through and I was able to throw that on a card. And I'm just watching these balances go down, go down,
0: go down. And um, my total debt, go down, go down, go down. And she says she wasn't tempted to shop online. Like, there were times she'd peruse, but it didn't give her the same kind of high.
1: I would go online and just kind of add things to the cart and then close the app. And that
0: would, like, satiate my need for it. Instead, she's been putting as much money as she can towards her debt.
1: And when I started to watch those balances go down,
0: it... Became a new addiction. Would you have been in a position where you could have paid it off had COVID not happened?
1: No. I almost feel bad Hmm. and, like, disgusted with myself because it's benefiting me. Because I know how devastating this is for so many people that I'm like, ugh, how am I doing better than I was before?
0: So this conversation was a little over a week ago. At the time, Beth was feeling great. And then just a few days later, I called her back up to check in. And the tone of the call was very different.
1: Our work has decided to put us on furlough. So I'm trying to figure that out right now. That came out of nowhere, it was very
0: unexpected. (laughs) Oh no. So I'm trying to figure all that out. She was working at a university in the accounting department. Without a job now, it feels like she lost all that momentum. It's like you just feel a little deflated. Just
1: someone came through with a pin and, yeah. and popped the bubble of, of joy and optimism and it's just pop, gone. Hmm.
0: Are you feeling regret at all for paying off some of those cards?
1: Yeah, actually. Really? Re- regret is kind of a good word. Just Yeah, like, I look at it, and I'm like, oh, you know, great. You know, I could have put in my savings.
0: Now she's had to shift her priorities. I had to switch my attention from
1: paying off debt as much as I could to saving money. How much do you have in savings? Oh, I have nothing. I may have, like, 30
0: bucks. So for now, Beth's planning to rely on unemployment checks. And she lives with her boyfriend, so she's not too worried about rent. But since the progress she'd been making on her debt is now stalled, she's nervous about falling back into her old habits once the stores reopen.
1: Have a little bit of a fear of what it will be like when the temptation is there again. And I'm sure the sales are going to be very alluring. For now, she says she just has to keep
0: reminding herself.
1: You made it to a certain point that you wanted. Don't, don't go backwards. Don't pedal backwards. Just know that you owe it to yourself to work towards a better future for yourself.
0: Even though Beth hit a major roadblock with her furlough, she says it still surprises her just how much the pandemic shifted her shopping habits. But really, the outbreak is forcing all of us to change our spending. Like if you've lost your job, maybe your retirement savings are now going towards rent or your nest egg is being used to cover bills. And then there are the smaller day-to-day purchases people are making just to feel better. Like the other week, I impulsively bought a $20 magnetic dartboard, because why not? And then I tried to get these art supplies, but they were on back order, which is the case for a lot of things right now.
2: There were these two categories of things that I thought were really funny that were selling out, which was these fancy heritage beans from Rancho Gordo beans in California, and heirloom seeds uh, from this farm called Baker Creek.
0: That's Kyle Chaka. He is a reporter who recently wrote about consumer habits during the pandemic for Vox.
2: And these are kind of like niche aspirational food products. And they were totally sold out. Like these places had to shut down their, their websites because they were getting so many orders.
0: And really, that's just the tip of the quarantine shopping iceberg. Like I saw that jigsaw puzzle sales are up 370 percent and yeast is flying off grocery shelves. Last month, the demand for that went up by over 600 percent.
2: Oat milk has gone through a 500 percent growth spurt. Like liquor sales are up 75 percent over last year. Um, It's kind of just all these non-essential goods.
0: To be clear, these shopping habits are definitely more reflective of people who still have disposable income right now. Kyle says, because we can't go out into the world, we're just finding different ways to spend our money. and That it goes to show just how much we still rely on consumerism for our identities.
2: And for like our sense of ourselves in the world. Like even with all of our other options cut off, we still rely on buying things to, to feel safe or secure.
0: Or, you know, to show off.
2: We're not consuming in public in the same way. But with Instagram or other forms of social media, there's still this way of, like, projecting a class image through what you consume. You want to demonstrate that you can, like, still have a nice life or, like, that your taste level is still as high as it was.
0: But beyond our materialistic tendencies, Kyle says there's something a little deeper happening. One expert told him these purchasing patterns it really comes down to our intrinsic need for control.
2: You know, there's so little you can control. Like, you can't, you can't control what's going on in the outside world, but you can exercise your judgment between, like, one pantry shelf and another or one TV and another. So even if it's not, like, fulfilling a, a desperate need of yours, it's, like, it is making you feel more secure in your space. ¶¶
0: and he says it's our attempt at regaining some normalcy when things feel anything but that. And now I'm really curious to hear from you all. How have your spending habits changed during this outbreak? Whether you have a job or are currently unemployed, how have your financial priorities shifted? You can email us, as always, at uncomfortable at marketplace dot org. All right, that's all for this week's show. But before I go, I just want to quickly share some exciting news. We were just nominated for a Webby Award for Best Business Podcast. And it's actually listeners like you all who decided the winner. So if you like what we do and you want to support us and see us win, please go and vote for us. We'd really appreciate it. You can find the link for that in the show notes. Okay, This Is Uncomfortable is me, Rima Grace, Megan Dietrich, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon-Rosen, Daisy Palacios, and Eliza Mills. Our intern is Daniel Martinez. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Daniel Ramirez is our audio engineer. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Sitar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deb Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right. I'll catch y'all next week.